Uh, my name's Nicola, um, and I'm going to be doing uh, the Bible reading this morning, uh, which is from uh, John chapter 20, from verse 19 through to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered together, were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, to, said Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Before we look at God's word, let's just spend a moment praying together. Thank you, Father, that we do have so many different ways of getting into your word. We thank you that you've given us an open Bible that we can read together. And that we know that this is you speaking to us. We thank you for the young children who have gone to be um, given a different way. A DVD, something to help them. And whether we are here finding the language used in this church difficult or that's just something very natural to us. We pray that you would speak to us this morning. We acknowledge we rejoice in the fact that our Saviour is alive, that he is seated on his throne in glory, and that through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, he is still speaking to us today. Help us to hear him. Help us to listen and learn from him this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, it's always a difficulty when you share a service and somebody takes half of your sermon. Well... Nick's already done that, um, but I just wanted to ask, when, 19, when 2022 came to an end, what was your abiding memory of the year? I think for some, it's going to be some really good things. One of our elders moved into a new house just before the end of the year. Families have new babies and other little ones have come to be part of their home. There are things that we can rejoice in, we can be excited about. For 2022, some of us, it was the year we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time and became part of God's family. Some of us have seen prayers clearly answered, really answered in the way that we longed that God would hear us and answer them. And we come with those reactions. It's a, a year of joy, of wonder, of absolute excitement that we can look back on. If we join the disciples in the upper room... That wasn't how they felt. They were there, and the overwhelming feeling they had was one of fear. It was a justified fear. It was a fear based on the events of the last, what, three, four days. Just four days before, Peter had reflected on all that Jesus meant. He said, we can't leave you. Because you have the words of eternal life. Going back a few years, there's a, a phrase that's used again and again in, in um, Luke chapter 5, 
where those early disciples left everything and followed him. But now Jesus had left them. They were alone. The one who had the words of eternal life had died. His body had been placed into a tomb. Understandable fear. And that was not the end. Matthew tells us that the the Jewish authorities, those same authorities that arrested and put Jesus to death with the same soldiers behind them were keeping an eye out just to keep watch on what the disciples might do. And so they were afraid. And there may be some here, well there are some here, who've known fear during 2022. Some have had to flee their homes because the same sort of authoritarian regime is revealing itself in different parts of the world. People who are afraid because of things that are going on in their bodies, or perhaps in the bodies of those that they love. Some of us know the reality of fear here this, this day, and certainly have known it in the year 2022. And they those disciples felt fear. And because of that, they put up a barrier. They put up a barrier to the world around them. They'd locked the doors. They tried to shut out the things that caused them fear. But all that did was cut them off from the things that were outside, the world in which they lived. Perhaps some of us here this morning know the reality of a barrier that exists. Perhaps a barrier between us and people that we love. A barrier that causes us to be afraid at the thought of what might happen when we go back to work on Tuesday or Monday. Things that we know that we're going to be facing in this year ahead. But then things changed. And they changed, as Nick reminded us, because Jesus came and stood in their midst. Let's look at that passage and see that difference that came in in their circumstances. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. We had at Christmas time an amazing announcement of peace, of hope, a peace for all the world. But there in that evening, there was something more personal, something more intimate, directly facing and directly dealing with the fears that those disciples experienced. And it was the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. No angelic choirs, but just as significant, just as in miraculous, because they saw him in a way that they had never seen him before. Two ways that they could never have seen him before. The first thing is they saw him as the crucified Jesus. He showed them his hands and his side, marked with the nails and the spear. But they also saw him, as Nick reminded us, the risen Jesus, not in the grave, not someone who had died, or sorry, rather somebody who had died, but who had come back to life. 
It was as the risen Jesus, he was able to come in to the locked room. And throughout that day, he demonstrated that he was the same, but changed. The empty grave clothes, the way he was seen but not recognized on the road to Emmaus. And there, he was, as he was able to come in to the empty room. And in those two things, the crucified Christ and the risen Christ, we see the, see the two great victories that he had won. He'd won victory over the sin that separated them and separates us from God by him paying the price on the cross for us. And that he'd won victory over death. He was alive. He was risen. He was in their presence. And that presence brought two great blessings. The first one was the blessing of peace. Peace be with you, he said. We've been thinking about peace as our great theme this Christmas time. And there in that other room, two great evidences of peace were there. Firstly, the fact that they had peace with God. And that's the great foundational peace, the peace that Christ won for us, that restores our relationship with God, which enables us to approach him, to know him as our heavenly father. That peace won by Christ on the cross. But there was another peace, a peace that dealt with their fears. It's a peace that Paul talks about in the letter to the Philippians, a peace that keeps our hearts and minds. There in that room, the peace that Christ came to bring was a peace that would overcome fear, a peace that would indeed guard and keep their hearts and minds despite the turmoil, despite the things that had caused them to lock the doors and try and shut out the world outside. But for that peace to be known, the second blessing also had to be known because that peace could only come as God the Holy Spirit was at work in them, in their hearts and their lives. Without God the Holy Spirit working in them and through them, they would have been sucked back into the whirlpool, the maelstrom of the circumstances around them. But through the fruitful working of God the Holy Spirit, they would find welling up within them love, joy, peace, and all the other evidences of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And those blessings came because they were in the presence of Christ himself. Not just knowing about him, but being with him, knowing him, seeing him face to face. Jim Packer, a Christian writer of the last century mostly, is quoted as saying there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. When you truly know God, you have energy to serve him, boldness to share him, and contentment in him. And it was Jesus' presence, as he presenced himself among them, that the difference was made in their lives. And I wonder just how much time we are planning to spend in Jesus' presence in the year that lies ahead. It starts alone in our rooms. We often 
use the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. But he starts that prayer, says, when you pray, go into your room. I remember years ago, in the days when people used the authorised version, and it said, go into your closet. I can remember a, a lady who ran a Christian union in a student uh, group at a further education college, and she took that literally. And she used to tell her students, well, the place I find quiet and peace with God is in my closet. Don't think we have to take it quite that literally, but we do have to spend time with God alone. I don't know about you, but um, I think I can always improve my time with God. Um, if you feel like that, there's a, a book that's available on the bookstore. It says improving your quiet time. We sometimes talk about that time with quiet with God as a quiet time. It's a wonderfully practical book, just helping you with giving you some ideas of things that might help that private time with God. But there are also that wonderful promise that Jesus made that when two or three gather together in his name, he's going to be there in the midst. And I wonder if we, as God's people, said, well, Richard, you're a very intelligent man. You have to be to be a head teacher. I am looking at you. You probably can do the mass. If everybody in this church spent five more minutes with God every day, I wonder how many more hours and days there would be in the life of this church in God's presence during the year 2023. Or perhaps you can find that one person to spend time with, to pray with, to spend time in God's presence. Or maybe find two other people to make the three. What difference would that make to our individual lives, to our lives as God's people as a church, and to the city of God and the kingdom of God here in Southampton? There's a song which says, to be in your presence, to sit at your feet, when your love surrounds me and makes me complete, this is my desire, O Lord. This is my desire. And I wonder if that is our desire as God's people as we enter this new year, to spend more time, to get to know God better, to be in his presence day by day and week by week. Not just when we gather, but individually, in small groups, where we spend precious time in God's presence. And then John finishes this time by focusing on a particular aspect of the life of God's people, the place of forgiveness. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Those apostles that had heard the words of the Lord Jesus Christ had grown up in a system which required them to comply with hundreds upon hundreds of different commands. I think a couple of hundred years later, somebody calculated there were 600 and 13 to be followed. Some things to do, some things not to do, to avoid. And they had to work out, was that what was necessary? 
for those two people to know the forgiveness that God had come to bring in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they worked it out in terms of principles. We can see it in uh, passages like Acts 15. But we see it more clearly in the proclamation of those principles. So when the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 asked Paul, what must I do? Paul didn't get out a book and said, well, there you are. There's 613 commands for you to work through. I'll come back in a month or two and see how you're doing. He simply said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And when he went to Athens, to that great place of learning, he simply said to the people there, God is commanding all people everywhere to repent. And that takes us back to this same upper room. Because when Luke recorded the the things that Jesus said that evening, he said there were four key things that the Christian church had to proclaim. Two of them were about Jesus himself, that he had died and that he had risen. And two things for us to know. The first is repentance for the forgiveness of our sins. And those early disciples, the church that was founded on the basis of what Jesus had said, proclaimed that message, the message that God calls all people everywhere to repent. And that when we do, we are to know, we will know, the forgiveness that restores our relationship with God, that brings us into a place where we have hope for this life and also for eternity. And that is the message that we still have to proclaim as God's church as we go into the year 2023. And it doesn't matter whether we're thinking about the young children upstairs or whether we're thinking at the oldest people who come to this church. All of us have that same message, that same certainty, that through repentance there is forgiveness for those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it wasn't just a message. It was also a life to be lived. And perhaps the most wonderful way we can see the practice of that is in the relationship between two of God's greatest of leaders, Peter and Paul. Paul had been the great enemy of the Christian church. I'm almost tempted to say he'd been the Dalek of his day because he wanted to exterminate the Christian church even before it started. But he came to know Christ. And when he first came to Jerusalem, Peter didn't just welcome him, he took him into his home. He stayed, Paul stayed with Peter for 15 days, a mark of Peter's forgiveness of all that Paul had tried to do. But then Peter got something wrong. And Paul pointed out the wrongness in what he was doing. Something that would have hurt Peter, who, if he was anything like me, would have made him defensive and have wanted not to do anything to do with Paul. But then at the end of his life, Peter talks about Paul as his dear, dearly loved brother, who lived on the basis of the wisdom that God had given him. Those two apostles put into practice the reality of repentance, the reality of forgiveness in their lives. And I wonder whether today, as we gather around the Lord's table, 
there are things that we need to deal with, things that are in our lives, things that we should be repenting and seeking forgiveness for. Perhaps there are people that we should be forgiving, people who have done us wrong. Are we going to take an opportunity? We're invited as we gather around the Lord's table to examine ourselves, to take time to allow God to look deep into our hearts and to our souls and see if there are things that we need to put into practice of the message of repentance and forgiveness that has been given to the Christian church. Perhaps you don't have the opportunity as we're here this morning, but we've got a bank holiday tomorrow. We've got time later today. Are there people that we should be going to to talk to to acknowledge the things that we've done wrong, to seek their forgiveness. Or perhaps there are people that you should be going to because they've done things to you and you should be expressing your forgiveness to them. The people who are gathered in the upper room move from fear to forgiveness because the risen Christ came and stood among them. I wonder how his presence in our midst will move us as God's people in the year that lies ahead. Let's go back to those words from Jim Packer. When you truly know God, you have energy to serve him, boldness to share him, and contentment in him. May that be true of each and every one of us in the year that lies ahead.